Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western. I'm your host, Anna Moyer. And I'm your co-host and producer, Emily Hutchinson. And we are here with Brittany Melton. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Brittany, it is so great to have you on the show. Can you tell us just a very quick overview of what program you're in and what you plan to study for your PhD? Yeah, so I'm in my first year uh, at Western in media studies in the PhD program. Um, and I plan to do research on an internet community called the FemCells, um, primarily located on Reddit, Uh, There's not a lot of research done on them, so I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about them, Uh, but that is where my research is taking me right now. Amazing. And how did you get started researching fem cells? That is a very great question. Um, I actually was one day just told by my roommates that I needed to look at this community on Reddit that they were talking about really crazy stuff and they used really interesting terminology And I had just read a book titled Men Who Hate Women by Laura Bates, and um, which was all about uh, men going their own way and incels. And so this seemed really fitting. It was really intriguing. And to talk about femcels, which are female female involuntarily celibate women, uh, felt right. Felt right. So just to break it down a bit, what does it mean to be involuntarily celibate? Can you break down that term for us a little? Yeah. And actually, I feel like I should clarify that being a femcell does not inherently mean you're involuntarily celibate. It can be both voluntarily and involuntarily. And I think actually what we see a lot more on the internet is voluntarily celibate women, which means that though you have access to um, often it's sex and intercourse, um, women choose to stay uh, celibate in order to find long-term relationships that are more fulfilling. Um, And this looks more like trying to find men who are ready to commit to women, who have better jobs, higher education, uh, better physiques sometimes. Um, And so a lot of the time it's more towards the voluntarily celibate. And then on the other end of it, it could be women who come together for uh, reasons of disability or they categorize themselves as being ugly and so they can't find a partner. Uh, And so then they find comfort and camaraderie in these groups of women titled the femcells. And where did the femcell community kind of originate from or what did it stem from? I think that the femcell community quite literally did start within the incel community, which began in 1997 with a internet user named Alana, uh, who started the Involuntarily Celibate Project. And that was just for people who were not able to find partners. It was quite simple, Uh, quite similar to what we see with involuntarily celibate women nowadays. But then what that kind of snowballed into was these really hateful communities of men titled the Manosphere, um, where these men congregate and it got really violent. And I mean, and we saw that um, culminate in the um, in Alec Minnison, who drove a van into a group of people in Toronto and, and killed 10. So the femcells actually don't fit within the incel community because in incel ideology, every woman has access to a partner. So it makes no sense then that there would be women who don't have access to partners. So I think 
and this is kind of part of my research is trying to find where that like break off point happens where the fem cells move into their own communities. I do think that there's still some located within the incel community as kind of like a subgenre, a subgroup, but a lot of them have migrated and formed their own groups on Reddit in the form of um, true fem cells is a major one and pink pill feminism. Uh, which have both been removed from Reddit for uh, hate speech violations. So can you separate those two groups for us? Because uh, you're talking a little bit about violence with the men and then hate speech with the women. How are those two groups different and, and are they similar at all? Like, it seems like those two groups would kind of hate each other as well. Like what, what's going on with, with all of that? So I do think they do hate each other, but they are kind of similar in that they both, I guess, pose the other gender as the problem and why they can't find a partner. But mm. at the same time, um, yeah, they they believe that, but then they also want to prioritize their own gender. So that separation is kind of necessary. The incel community has been known to, to become violent, but it also is prone to hate speech as well. Like they're they're quite similar, actually. And do you see any kind of organized violence in the femcell community the same way that we've seen with the incel community? Not really, no. But what I have seen quite a bit of is actually a lot of uh, online aggression and like verbal verbal aggression towards the trans community, actually, where they are very, they run quite similar to what's called radical feminism. Um, which is basically the belief that gender and sex are inseparable, that gender and sex are the same thing. So if you're born female, you are a woman and you can't change that, meaning that trans women uh, are, not, are not women, they cannot be called women. And so there's a lot of exclusionary practices that come in that. Um, and I read a post this morning that said something about I want a man with all his parts, not someone who calls themselves a man. I want a man who was born a man. Um, so something along those lines. So how do these groups uh, like change from just a bunch of people who wanted to commiserate over not being able to find a partner for whatever reason into a hateful group? Like how, how does that happen? Well, I think it's kind of, I refer to it in terms of siloing, meaning that more in-group kind of discussions that happen and the less they engage outside of that group, uh, the more the community can turn toxic. If you start to name a sca scapegoat, uh, the more people push to that scapegoat. And so with the incels, we see that as women and, and it, with the fem cells, we see that as men. And the fem cells, uh, quite literally, I think they name 99% of men as being bad men and uh, only 1% as, as being worthwhile in terms of partners. But at the same time, also, the fem cells are also anti-women. Uh, like, anti they don't like a lot of women either. They don't like modern day feminists. They don't like women who are, who are beautiful naturally. They don't like women who um, are interested in what they deem equality, which is just, you know, wanting to do things equally, um, equal labor, equal uh, equal pay, things like that. That's really interesting. Like, I know that there's a bit of a traditionalist movement going on where a lot of women are sort of 
embodying ideals of maybe like the 50s nuclear family and the, the housewife. So is this the kind of ideal that they want from a relationship? Yeah, so what they want from a relationship, it seems, is the rule of six. I'm not sure am I allowed to say the word penis on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> okay, so they want the rule of six, meaning that they want a six-figure income, a six-foot-tall man, uh, and a, a man with a six-inch penis, basically. So they want, they have high ideals. It's not as much the format of the family structure Um, I don't think that it's necessarily like a call to motherhood or a call to stay home or anything like that, but they do want to be supported financially. They want to be in committed long-term relationships. So one night stands are not a thing. Uh, Sex work is not a thing. Um, Yeah, they want to be in these long-term committed relationships with partners who can uh, support them both financially and emotionally. So it seems like almost a bit of a double standard going on if they, they have these criteria for their partners, but then they themselves are feeling ugly or they're feeling like they can't find someone like that. So what's going on with that? Is, is that a double standard? So yeah, it would be if they hadn't separated off into all these different subreddits. So the femzels take up multiple different spaces, what are they used to on Reddit? Um, True Femzels was a group dedicated to discussing women who recognized they were ugly uh, and, and often also disabled in some way and would commiserate over that. And then Pink Pill Feminism was this breakoff subreddit that was dedicated to what in like the incel community is called looks maxing, which is when you... Uh, make an effort to better your appearance in order to get a mate. Mm. Um, and so, and that's quite common is, is the expectation that in order to have a good looking partner, you need to also be good looking yourself or also have a good job, uh, be taking care of yourself physically, all of these things, going to therapy, all of the things. So what group are you specifically studying within? Because you've mentioned there's there's some seriously different cultures. Yeah. So actually the group that I have been focusing on, so I'm only in my first year, so I feel like I should start with that. The group that I focused on so far in my research last semester and then my research this semester is a group called Female Dating Strategy. They actually don't call themselves femcells. So actually a part of my work is trying to substantiate an argument that they are femcells because- they use a lot of the same ideology and, and terms and have a lot of overlap with these other groups, and, but they remain on Reddit where all of these other groups have since been removed from Reddit. So a lot of my research has been focused on that group. And then this semester in my methods course, I'm doing a lot of work to try and see where those overlaps are between true femme cells, pink pill feminism, and female dating strategy in terms of like in-group policies and things like that. Now, this might seem kind of silly, but can you tell me what is Reddit? Like I I know very generally Reddit, Reddit is a website and there's people and they talk to each other. Is it just some giant forum? Like what's a subreddit? Like what what is happening? What's going on? I'm so glad you asked. I feel like that's probably where we should have started. Yeah, so Reddit is a social media platform, but unlike a platform like 
Facebook or Instagram, it's much more community-based. So rather than your friends being important, the communities you're a part of are important. And so I believe the most recent stat is that it has about 10,000 active communities and uh, over 300 million active users. So that's a lot of people. On this, on this platform. And you subscribe to communities that you want to see posts from regularly. And that can be in the form of something that is a hobby of yours, politics, humor, news, like any of those things. And so um, a big one that I follow is actually called skincare addiction. And it just talks about different skincare things. But these, all of these subreddits are small communities that you subscribe to and discuss this as a topic only that topic too um yeah I also feel like the anonymity is an important aspect as opposed to other social medias yeah absolutely so I think a big part of that which I haven't really explored a lot of but is that inherently you are anonymous on this app and um, a big and that is a big part of it because a lot of people share a lot of information on there, but just enough to not be doxxed, which is when you have your like home address, your family, all of your personal information put on the website, because that's also against the rules, you would get removed. Um, but yes, anonymity is a big part of what, what kind of, I think, leads to these hate groups, because you're able to post a lot without anyone being able to figure out who you are. So you're able, yeah, there's like this kind of fine line that they run with, with that anonymity. So we know that there's a couple other similar anonymous forum posting sites like 4chan, LolCow. Um, so have these incel groups or these fan cell groups moved to places like this after they were kicked off Reddit? Yeah, so there is research that follows a lot of these hate groups because around I think it's 2017, Reddit really revamped its rules where before it was really hands-off and it had this kind of like, you can do whatever you want, we're not gonna say anything approach to moderating their site. And then as of 2017, they did this big 180 and imposed a lot of rules that kind of sanctioned against hate speech, against uh, bullying and all of those things. And so with that, there was the, a large removal of, of, um, of hate groups, which I think saw the removal of the group incel, as well as the red pill and pink pill feminism and true fem cell would all be kind of um, victims of that. Victim is a strong word, but uh, would, would have fallen victim to that rule. And so there has been research that kind of follows these groups as they migrate. And so there's kind of three things that happen. Some groups migrate to sites like 4chan and Telegram, these more open, non-moderated sites, and others move into other groups on Reddit, uh, which is, I, I would be interested to see if that's also something that kind of influences female dating strategy success. And then some users just kind of disappear. They just fall off from Reddit. I want to ask a question about COVID. So like we are on online right now talking to each other. How has being online changed uh, this culture? Like, is it, is it increased because of that? Like, it seems like a lot of the way we now interact with our world is through online. Like, do you think that this many people would be coming together in this way uh, without it? And like, what are, what's the dynamic going on there? Yeah, so I have only been studying it since October 2021, like is around when I started this, this research study. And so 
what I have seen is a lot of like there is it, this 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 group female dating strategy specifically is huge. Um, I feel like I should share the stats because otherwise you won't have a concept for it. The largest group, which was incel, was removed at 40,000 users. Female dating strategy currently, which was like a while ago that I last looked, has 235,000. So it's a huge subreddit. And even in the time that I've been studying, it has grown 40,000 subscribers, users. So since October until now, 40,000 users. Um, I don't know if I see as much a discussion on COVID happening in the chat. I do go on quite often, if I'm being honest. I'm probably in there about once a day. (laughs) But there is a lot of discussion about online dating. And I would say that that is highly related to COVID being that we can't go out and date in person. And this group specifically is really about dating and and love and, and romance and relationships. And so... There is a discussion of online dating, but it's not necessarily related to COVID, I would say. And I'm kind of curious, are there any specific demographics of people who are more likely to be on this type of subreddit? That is very interesting because, so because of the anonymity, I feel like I'm starting to say that word wrong. (laughs) Because of that, uh, it's hard to get a read on who's in the group they even have rules that suggest that you have to be a woman and also female to be part of this group. However, there's really no way to enforce that other than just like gender performance. Um, And so the only kind of like overlap you can get is through sites like subreddit stats, where you can see the groups that this group also subscribes to, like the other subreddits that it subscribes to. Um, but in terms of like age, the only like kind of overlap you can see is where they're also subscribed to groups like dating over 40, dating over 30 kind of thing, which those are two, uh, examples. Um, other than that though, in terms of like age, gender, race, ethnicity, none of those are really available. Has anything ever really shocked you during your research? Like something that you were just completely not expecting came out of left field? I'm sure there has. I am. I think that's something I constantly go back to if I'm trying to explain this group to somebody is their uh, terms, their like glossary of terms, because the way that they describe men, specifically bad men, I have it up. So let me read you just a few of the words that they use. So in terms of terms that they use within the group, they use words such as pick Misha to discuss, to discuss and label women who are pick which means that they uh, vie for male attention um, or are male identified, which is apparently a bad thing uh, in this group. They're also naive and brainwashed women, apparently, uh, as well as men who they label scrotes to be just dicks. That's what they call them. It, scrote, scrote means dickhead in this group. And so <laughs> These are two words that I see a lot. They are heavily used in this group to discuss women that they don't like um, and also and men that they don't like. So they'll say, you know, that pick me show was with that scroll. And every time I read it, I'm like, I can't believe this is what I'm reading. And I don't know why other than just that it's like so coded with the layers of the way that they interact in this group that I find it incredibly interesting. Um, Yeah. That is super interesting. Now, 
I also understand that you just recently completed your MA, so congratulations. Thank uh, you. Can you. Tell us a little bit about your research on that. Yeah, so my master's was in pop culture. I did that at Brock, and um, my research there was still on gender and gender representation, which I would say is kind of the bridge between these two things, but it actually focused a lot more on television. And so in my master's, I studied one specific show, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. You may have seen it. Uh, It was really popular at the time I was doing my MA, which it's been a while. Um, And I studied that in the use of comedy to kind of discuss gender representation and gender representation in this being like, When we say the word woman, how do we associate that word? And so uh, both the things that, the way that they describe and have women act and interact in the show and also the way that they talk about women and sexuality and and men, all of these different things. Um, And so that was what my research focused on in my master's. So it's a little different than what I do now. And what and how did they portray gender and femininity and womanhood? Yeah, I actually think they did a really good job because on its face value, if you can't really read into like satire, it reads as being really surface level. Like women are dumb and women are stupid and uh, really compliant and apologetic. But then when you add a layer of satire to that, the joke is that you know, women are really strong and have to put up with a lot of stuff. And, um, and quite literally in this, we're talking about violence against women. Um, the show is about a woman who was abducted uh, for her entire adolescence and all of these women and the, and the way that they portray trauma. And so I think that the show actually does a really good job. Like, I don't think that they're given, and it's Tina Fey that produced the show, Um, I don't think the show's given enough credit for how good it does at portraying women and women's struggles, as well as sexuality and things like that, and and age and, like, layers to identity versus these, like, one-level characters. That's awesome. It sounds like you're doing really important work. So you're just starting your PhD now. You're you're at the beginning. Where do you want to see this research go? That is a very great question. Yeah, so I'm in my second semester of my first year. So I still have about three and a half years to go. Uh, if we if we end on time, that's the goal. Um, and so, well, one, I'd love it to co- like culminate in a thesis. So that would be great. Um, preferably one that passes. <laughs> um, but I'd also like, I think that it's really important. And we talk about this a lot when we, when, we study gender is like intersection intersectionality which means that um it kind of triumphed by Kimberly Crenshaw's work which is to say that vulnerable people can still further oppress and uh, harm other groups of people so even though this is a group of women they can still be further oppressing trans people by by excluding them and making them feel not welcome and um, and I think that that is something really interesting. Like, I feel like it's too simple to say it's an issue of gender because this is a, a female only or a woman only space. I don't want to use those interchangeably because they're not the same. Uh, a woman only space on a platform that was primarily dominated by men for a really long time. The statistics show that it's like pretty even, but a lot of the discussions were focused on like male hobbies and also 
like it was a very male dominated conversation. So to have these groups, I don't think it's necessarily entirely bad, but I do think there's this like, you can be vulnerable and, and at heart, like oppressed and still oppress other people. And so I think that my goal in this is just to show that like, yes, you it's, it's more than just, you are a victim. You can still make others. uh, You can still victimize others by, by being the victim. And this, this might not be an answer that you can give, but how do you think, um, sort of radical feminism and this sort of, we're really seeing transphobia being popularized, especially with like JK Rowling and her statements. Do you think that is affecting the group and maybe how many people are joining the group? Yeah, so what's so interesting about this group is again, they do not directly call themselves radical feminists, but they very much exude the ideology of radical feminism and just gender essentialism, basically that gender and sex are the same thing. And those two things are very much like the discussion around them is being popularized and maybe it is JK Rowling and others that are like taking central stage more recently. Um, I, I don't know really what it is because there's not any research on this. There's a lot of research and a lot of focus paid to, uh, groups that focus on men who hate women, like men going their own way and pickup artists and incels. And there's a lot less focus paid to women who are suffering from, from gender violence and from, unsuccessful dating and things like that. So I don't really know what brings these women to this group. I do think genuinely it starts at a good place. It starts just like being upset and having bad dating experiences and turning to this group. I think that it's the ideology that's shared in this group that kind of radicalizes these women into quite literally radical feminists. Like they become these women in this group not to say they don't have any agency or like any choice in the matter, but that it certainly seems like there's a lot happening in the group that I don't think they're necessarily entirely bringing to the group beforehand. Absolutely. We see a really similar pipeline in terms of like red pilling as well. I think where it starts and where it ends up are not the same places. And it's interesting to see that's reflected the other way as well. That's great. We're almost out of time. I just want to ask you one last question, Brittany. What is your favorite part of your research? What gets you up in the morning and makes you really excited to study this? Well, I think at the heart of this research, and I know it's kind of bigger than this issue in general, is just that at some at some point in this, and I mean, it's International Women's Month, so like let's let's give it to them. I want this research to somehow benefit other women. Um, and if, if the only way that I can do that is doing this research on this group of women is both to help them and also show them that they can be hurting other women as well, but also to show that women can do research. I mean, we already know that, but like, it's great to see. And I love reading research written on feminism and, and, seeing that bridge between kind of like traditional feminist work on like like Simone de Beauvoir, uh, Judith Butler is not really traditional feminist, but these I, these like traditional theory being brought onto, into the internet and into like Reddit and Facebook and uh, online spaces. And so I just, it's fun to be that person in my cohort or in like in my university and in my 
family and in my French, like my groups that I'm in. That's that's a wonderful reason. And thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, if anyone wants to learn more about your research, is there anywhere that they can reach you? Yes. So you can follow me on Twitter. I believe it is Real Brit Melton. And if it's not, I'm sure it will be changed in the description of this podcast. Um, and then I also have an Instagram account that's called at Brit Fit Meltfelt. Again, will be spelled in the description for the podcast, I'm sure. Um, both of which I share stuff I'm doing, some research related things, also uh, teaching assistants stuff and other things. Thank you so much. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Anna Moyer, and my co-host was Amelie Hutchinson. We've been speaking with Brittany Melton. And this episode was produced by Amelie as well. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have also been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night.